The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Good morning, morning, morning! I've always wanted to do that. My English teacher used to do that. Every, every, uh, every Monday morning, my English teacher would do the announcements over the loudspeaker at school. We were this uh, small rural town, and uh, his name was Mr. Ford, and he would go, good morning, 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 on Mondays. It was every Monday, and it was uh, always something to look forward to. So I've always kind of wanted to do that. I actually thought I would... Uh, I got a little bit of reverb here. That kind of sounds a little loud. But I thought I'd be yelling at you guys this morning because I took my son to see the monster trucks at the Kitsap County Fairgrounds. And so I expected, since I didn't wear earplugs, that today I would just be like, all right, guys, you know, the whole time. And I'm thankful I'm not. It was kind of funny because as we were, like, walking in, he was just like, oh, my gosh, Dad. Oh, my gosh. He's like, are you freaking kidding me? We're seeing monster trucks. And I'm like, no, I'm not kidding you, but can you please stop saying that word? (laughs) And he said, I'm just so freaking excited. I'm like, all right, bud. Okay. All right, guys. Um, I just thought we could start out by praying this morning. Um, Normally, we start with a prayer of confession, and I just want to pray for... Um, just some of those that are in our church, just a couple that um, have been sick. And uh, also uh, Bob Sherwin, he was out walking his dog at a dog park and a large dog that was on a leash attacked the dog and he was trying to help and protect the dog and then he ended up getting bit like 12 times. And yeah, and he's, and he's, uh, he's you know, recouping from that, but it's just such a traumatic and scary event. And um I just love to pray for that family and, again, um, for the Shapers, too, that are out sick today. Um, So let's do that before we get started. Father, we thank you so much for this morning, and we thank you for those, um, God, in our body that we, we just love, and we want what's best for them. We want them to be in good health. We want them to be able to walk strong and to live without pain. God, God, I pray for um, Annie, Bob, and Shelly's dog, that you just take care of that dog. I know that dog brings so much joy to the Sherwins. And I know that was traumatic and the stitches and all that stuff involved. And I just pray that the vet would be helping to calm them in this time. And I also pray, Lord, that you would be healing Bob of his injuries. That, um, God, that you'd be giving him comfort and watching over and protecting him now. That him and Shelly could be together and they would enjoy these times and not in too much pain or discomfort. Lord, I pray uh, against any form of trauma or 
lingering fear that this could cause. God, I also pray for the Schaefers as they are out with just mild colds today. I pray that you would bring healing to their bodies. That they would be restored to great health. We thank you for all of these people and we just ask that you be with them. In your son's name, amen. So, if you have found yourself here this morning, you're kind of catching us close to the tail end of our sermon series, Be Different. Be Different is based off the book of Ephesians. And for the first few weeks, we kind of talked about who and what we are to believe in, why we are to believe in it. And then for the last few weeks leading up to kind of where we're at now, we've talked about what that looks like in practicality in the body of Christ, like how to live together, how to be in right relationship together, how to be in relationship with Jesus as our reality. It's been this sweet transition from who God is to what God has done and now what we do together realizing that. And so here's our intro this morning. God is calling us to be a different kind of people. Holiness is a quality that uniquely belongs to God. Being a different people means that our primary identity is part of God's holy family. In the book of Ephesians, Paul gives instructions on how to live as holy people in a world that doesn't often doesn't like our kind of different. That is our intro. One of my favorite literary battles of all time is that of the greasers and the socials. In school, I barely read any books that were assigned to me. And honestly, I rarely read books to begin with. However, a friend recommended to me that I needed to read The Outsiders by S.E. Hinton. Had I known this was an assigned book for everyone else, I probably wouldn't have read it. But this became one of my favorite books I have ever read. See, the greasers and the socials were two classes of people. I was raised in the lower middle class category, and so I liked the greasers. The greasers were the lower class in society. They didn't have money. They were poorly educated, and they ran the streets. There weren't parents watching over them. Their socials were the west side rich kids. They had influence, popularity, and power. They could get out of trouble. They had all the cute girls. And Ponyboy talks a little bit about that. He's the lead character in the first chapter. He's like, I wonder what a girl that wears appropriate clothing would be like to date. See, the greasers and the socials didn't like each other. These rivals were always at war with one another. These turf wars. And we become acquainted with that quickly in chapter one because it opens up with the main character, Ponyboy, 
by himself, without his entourage, without his crew, without the other gang members, and he goes to see a movie, and then as he's coming back from the movie, the socials show up, and there's a group of them, and they proceed to jump him. So they beat him up, he's bleeding, they hold a butterfly knife to his neck. You know, it's kind of this crazy scene of gang violence against one person. And uh, we kind of get like, man, that's really intense, that's traumatic, that's scary. But then we get a little excited because the greasers are tipped off and the greasers then run in as cavalry, right? And they run off the socials. So we're like, that's a victory right there, right? We get really excited about that. We get so excited when good triumphs over evil. A lot of our movies are based around that. A lot of the books we read are based around that. A lot of narratives that we enjoy are based around that. We love the idea of being, and this is truly what I think it is, confident, courageous, and strong. We want to be that all the time. Because truthfully, we want to be warriors. And I know that sounds funny because when I said we want to be warriors, or I was talking about battle and we, all of us, you're probably automatically thinking of something like Bob Schaefer looking like Theodore Roosevelt, right? From a night at the museum flick. Or maybe you thought of all of us banded together after community group, carrying torches and walking down callow, right? Waging war on anything that we believe opposes God. But that's not what I mean. What I'm talking about is standing strong when it matters most. But oftentimes, I think we find ourselves like wounded by our circumstances And they leave us feeling absolutely defeated. Perhaps you can relate to some of these thoughts. I scribbled a few down. Every time I talk to this person, we argue. We probably should stop talking altogether because it's just not worth it. I'm fat, ugly, and worthless. I've been there. That's how I thought. I'm not saying I was those things. That was my thought process. I can never catch a break. I'm over my head in my bills. I'll never be fully free. I've tried everything to stop this habit, and I've committed to quitting, but I keep going back. I think the reality is I need to know it's wrong. That's enough. Not that I stop doing it, but knowing's enough. That's a lie. I'm a real mess of a person. I never seem to do anything right. My spouse doesn't truly love me. I've messed up this time. I don't know what you are experiencing this morning, but I want you to know that whatever whatever it is, I have a solution for you. I'm going to tell you the secret on how to be a warrior this morning. And I'm not going to tell you the secret only of how to win in that circumstance but I'm going to tell you how to win across the board. That's what everybody wants. We're not going to master that secret completely. 
but we're going to learn and we're going to grow. And as we pursue it, we're going to get stronger and stronger. And God is going to be elevated because of it. Winning isn't always a favorable outcome. I'm going to say that again. That's kind of a weird thing to say. Winning isn't always a favorable outcome. I believe it's confidence, courage, and strength redirected. And as we look at this text this morning, what I'm hoping we come to see is that we have been given everything we need to be warriors. We are in a much larger turf war than the greasers have ever faced. And if we see the weapons that we have been provided and learn how to use them, we can and will stand when it matters most. So my big question for you this morning is, how do we stand strong in the Lord and in his mighty power? And the big idea is we stand strong in the Lord and in his mighty power when we have identified the real enemy and when we have recognized and applied the weapons that God has provided for us. So let's look at Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the... I'm just kidding. You saw that. You guys saw that. In the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand... Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith which you can, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So there's just a few things that I think are really cool, right? Finally, right? It starts out, finally. It's like a, almost like a period, right? Because we're coming to that last piece of really important information. This is that last chapter that we're looking at. Finally, now that you have listened this far, you have an action to take part in. Finally should strike us as a power word. Now it's your time to apply what you've read, what you've seen, and what I've written you, what I've shown you in Jesus. Notice verses 11 and 13, they mirror each other. I don't know if we have that together up there. I don't think we do. But there's a slight variation at the end. Verse 11, so that you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. Verse 13, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. It's kind of a little different, but you're going to put on the full armor of God. But for a purpose, right? 
So we need to be prepared. That's what I'm seeing in that. So there's schemes that are happening, and there's moments that are going to take place that day of evil. The word against is used in this passage more than any other word. It's used six times. That's opposition to. To be against. Completely opposed to something. To stand against it. Stand is the next most used word. Stand is used four times. And I think that's important, right? That's that upright position while facing something. Because we are helpless when we're on the ground. So we are standing. Right? Verse 12 shows us an incredible dark horde of enemies. And verse 14 through 17 talks a lot about armor. So Ephesians 6.10. I kind of think it's funny because the argument that we're looking at or what he's talking about or how he's explaining this is almost backwards. It's not like it's... I think of like how Nate says, you know, he's an engineer. And he's like, so I think of things really linearly. And really, this is building out, right? But the answer today, or the the thought today, is actually the first line. And then the passage that follows is really building out this thought. So it's like almost like a, we're going to talk about, go back. So that's it. It's be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. This is not our power or sheer goodness. We didn't create it, nor did we earn it. We've talked about that over and over again. It's only a few chapters earlier, right? Ephesians 1, 19 through 20. We talk about this verse all the time. It's kind of one of my favorites. And in, in his incomparably great power for us who believe, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. It's power. I love repeating that because it's supreme power. It's authoritative power that comes from Christ and only Christ. 2 Peter 1.3 His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. This power that Christ made available by His work on the cross giving to us to stand strong in Him and the strength of His mighty power not ourselves. If you have faith in Christ Jesus this morning, this same power is inside of you today, meaning you have everything you need to fight every single battle you will face in this life. You have access to everything you need through Christ. Are you guys with me so far? So how do we know that we are walking in that strength and might? There are two things that I want to point out to you guys today and that I think if we can recognize them and we use them correctly or we understand them, we will find ourselves walking in this strength and mighty power. But the first thing I want you guys to recognize this morning, to be warriors, to be a true warrior, is to realize who... Your true enemy is. You need to know who your enemy is if you are going to wage war against him. Who is our enemy? And I'm sure a lot of you guys would probably make a long laundry list of who your enemies are. Unfortunately, we all probably have at least one person we could say is our enemy. 
we could probably say something that has happened to us is our enemy. This act of violence, this act of abuse, this act of hatred, this act of whatever is our enemy. Or a place that conjures up bad memories. Or a substance that we can't quit. Or a lie we keep telling ourselves. Broken friendships, horrible bosses, hurts, habits, and hang-ups that we haven't gotten under control. Incurable illness, divorce of parents, or maybe even our own. Physical pain or a disorder. Natural disaster, negligence of a spouse. Places that have given us horrible memories that continue to haunt us every single day. The physical comes to mind immediately when we think of our enemy because we're so concerned with what puts physical pressure on us. What we see, what we can materialize, what we think about because we can see it and we are experiencing it and it's causing us so much discomfort. Surely, Anything that gets in the way of our joy as people must be the enemy. But according to this passage in Ephesians, there's something more insidious that's taking place. As a matter of fact, most of it, all of it, is invisible. So we can't always trust what we see. Ephesians 6.11b So that you take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now look at Ephesians 6.12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Ephesians 6.13b. So that when the day of evil comes, I wrote two E's, you may be able to stand your ground. Your biggest enemy is not the circumstance you have found yourself in. Your circumstance and your frustration is a symptom of the greater enemy that is alive and working in our world to bring about death, separation, and sin. The devil, in all of his wild scheming, in other translations, craftiness, deceitfulness, strategies, trickery, wiles, has a plan for you, and he has it out for you. And this wasn't something that he woke up today and said, you know, I think I'm just going to have Rue's neighbor walk over and yell at her. But he's been watching Rue, and he knows Rue's habits, and he knows the way that Rue thinks, and he's developing a scheme that's going to just knock her off her foundation. That's his plan. Listen to this. 1 Peter 5.8, be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And if you think any of what I said is dramatic, that's okay because he knows you think that way and he wants you to. John 8.44, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. That's your enemy. It's the biggest enemy that this world has ever known. 
the greatest liar that has ever lived. But it's not just the devil, it's all the host of dark companions that he uses to disrupt your joy and the unity of the spirit that we talked about weeks ago that we have as a body that is supposed to be bound by peace to break that in us so that we live at war with one another. But we look at Ephesians 6.12 and it says, not flesh and blood, not here and now, not human, but against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of the dark world, and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I want you to know that if we are going to be warriors, then we have to know what we're warriors set out against. The devil isn't coming against you because he has nothing better to do. The devil is coming against you because he hates you and he wants you to suffer. Somebody recently told me, I think the devil really feels bad about what he's done and the sin that he creates. And I said, that is impossible because if he felt bad, then forgiveness would have been offered. He's proud of himself. We know how the story ends. If there was forgiveness offered, it would have said that before Revelations or somewhere in there. But it tells us what the outcome is. He doesn't feel bad about what you're going through. He loves it. He's a sick puppy. <laughs> he wants you to think that what you have in your heart, what you care about, Jesus that anything you're going through that the Father doesn't care about. He wants you to think that way. And if he's got you feeling that way today, then he's winning the war that's raging inside of you. And you're allowing him to go undetected. And there's a danger lurking for you. And I'm thinking about kind of when I was, a few months ago, it was snowing out. And uh, me and an outreach worker at the Coffee Oasis were walking through a homeless encampment. And as we're walking along and we're, Hey, is anybody here? We got food for you. We're from the Coffee Oasis. We're walking down and we're getting deeper and deeper over in Port Orchard. I think it's Veterans Park. And um, as we're walking, my outreach worker grabs my arm like this and goes, Jake, Jake, Jake. And I'm like, what? You know, like, look. And right there, among all the snow that is piled up on the ground and everywhere in this cold day, is a white pit bull snarling its teeth at us. And she goes, we got to run. But me, I spotted the enemy and I said calmly, if we run, this thing is going to take a bite out of us. And I said, we need to back away slowly, looking at it. Because if we turn our back... It's going to come. So walk slow. And as we walk slow, the dog started to kind of ease up. And the master called its name. And it went away. So that's a victory. But we kind of, right? We kind of need to become more in tune with what's really there. And that's what I'm trying to point out. We need to recognize the enemy. Now, not all dogs are enemies. That's not what I'm saying. And not all dogs go to heaven. But what I'm trying to say to you guys is this, okay? It's that we need to be aware. We need to recognize it. 
When we can recognize our true enemy in the oncoming attack, we can calmly redirect our focus to God's strength and experience his power in our greatest time of weakness, right? When we are weak, he is strong. When we acknowledge our weakness and we're talking to him, he is strong in that moment. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, that's what it says. When we recognize our enemy and we have realized our weakness and our need for God, his power abounds in us. We start to stand strong in him and in his mighty power. So we need to recognize the true enemy. The second thing, now that we have recognized the enemy as warriors, we have to recognize the weapons that God has provided us. Since our battle is not with what we are currently facing, and it is a spiritual battle, we need spiritual weapons to fight with. Ephesians 6, 14 through 17 says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the word of the spirit, which is the word of God. We're reactionary people often, aren't we? It's like something happens. I'm not trying to say we're lazy, even though, you know, it might be a little bit of that sometimes. But, you know, it's like we move into a house because we think it's amazing, right? And then we find out that our neighbor's yard, because we weren't paying attention, is just a little bit above ours. So all their rainwater's coming down in. And then we're like, well, we got to build a fence or something. So that's a reaction. We didn't think to say, hey, if you can fix that before, it'd be perfect. Somebody says something against you, you want to say something back. You're not going to let them have the last word or make them feel as though they own you or embarrass you in front of somebody or online. This person said this thing about me, so I'm going to throw it back at them. Or even in the smallest scheme of things, right? A fly lands on your arm. What's your immediate response? You don't even think about it. There's not, you don't slow down to think about the things that are happening. I don't slow down to think about what's truly going on. I'm reacting. It causes defensiveness, right? But we're going to learn how to not be that way. So I think it's kind of funny because earlier this week, as I was sitting with a brother, he said to me, how do we put on the armor of God? And it was kind of funny because I think I, I like you know, you're doing the hands above the head and you're like, I'm putting on, you know, and you're like, it seems silly, but that's true, right? We're literally putting something on. And in the summer of 2019, the Refuge Church did a sermon series entitled Fighter that is based on the full armor of God. And each one of these weapons is broken down piece by piece. So if you want to go in depth on that, go to our podcast. It is on Apple podcast. Look back, listen to the sermons. They're great. But I was really struck as I was thinking about putting on clothing by this quote from Dave Frederick. This is what Dave said, that we need to be clothed, consumed, and crazy about Jesus. How incredible is that reality? Are we living in that reality this morning? How do we become clothed in the person of Jesus? Normally, to put something on means we have to take something off. When we get up in the morning, we put on a new outfit, right? 
we don't wear the outfit we wore the day before. Could you just imagine what that would look like? You're wearing a week's worth of an outfit. Probably smell pretty funny. But just a few chapters prior, Paul is telling this mixed group of believers to take off the way of the Gentiles. It's a death of the old way of, ex of existence. The futility of their minds, the quarreling against each other, and the Jews that were among them, right? They were quarreling against them. I'm the person of the law, I'm not. You know, like, I'm circumcised, I'm not. Yeah, that was weird. The detestable sex practices and idol worship. Paul was telling the believers in Ephesus, you guys are no longer to see each other as the enemy. Your true enemy is the devil. That's our enemy, guys. Not each other. These old weapons you once wielded were tools of the enemy that have for so long caused sin, separation, and death. But Paul was calling them to this new clothing, this new life in Christ. As a matter of fact, there are six weapons that are given in this passage this morning. We have a belt, a breastplate, boots, a shield, a helmet, and a sword. What should catch your attention is that none of these talk about protecting your back. You have no defense against the surprise attack. Because I believe this is to show us the confidence that God has placed in the work of Christ and the weapons that he has provided. If our enemy came up behind us and surprised us, we would be naked and exposed. That's scary, right? But I think that we're not going to see a lot of those surprise attacks if we're rooted and anchored in that new clothing Jesus. Because we're going to see the enemy coming. Do you know why? Because Paul told us he's coming. Verse 11, right? Put on the full armor against the schemes of the devil. Verse 13, in the day of evil. We know it's coming. We don't have to live blind. We're not getting surprised attacked. We're getting exactly what they're telling us is going to happen. We're being warned so that we can be ready. So we can build up our discipline. So we can walk as Christ walked. And we can imitate what Christ did. If we have spent our time relying on the strength and power of Jesus, then we are growing in our disciplines. We're ready for the surprise attack. One, because we knew it was coming, so it's not a surprise. And two, because we have identified who's coming against us. This means that no matter the circumstances we're facing, we can respond in a Christ-like fashion rather than our old way of thinking. It's that pause before. I've learned that as I've gotten older, sometimes you need a second. I'm not perfect at it, but you need to stop, rely on Christ. And the attributes that are named with these weapons are what? Truth, belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, boots of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, and sword of the spirit. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life that is holding together our belt. The uniform, the ensemble, that whole thing is held together. The same Jesus we proclaim together as truth in our gatherings every Sunday morning. And even during the week when his name is lifted up. Illuminating and impacting our lives to give us the ability to stand what is right. 
And we're also given this breastplate of righteousness. And this is not imputed righteousness. This is not what he did on the cross. And then that's how God sees us. It's this ability to make right decisions. That no matter what happens against us or stands in our way, we can always choose the way of Jesus. As we sung this morning, we, we sung this statement, I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I truly believe that when we're wearing the full armor of God, we're saying that in our life over and over and over again in every single situation. I believe in Jesus Christ that he is Lord. Personally, I'm quick to be defensive when someone brings an accusation or word against me. I don't have to do that, and neither do you, because Jesus is our truth. And that truth that we stand on is that he is our defender and that he has defended us already. He has already won the battle, and we need to find security in that. There's no need to make a hasty or rash decision. We can live by the gospel of peace. That is the gospel that we, as Christians, prescribe to. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Do we believe in that kind of gospel of peace? When Jesus was born, he brought peace. He brought an entire kingdom of peace. Have we committed to that? I was thinking of this youth that I was talking to the other night at the drop-in center in Port Orchard, and they are adamantly Wiccan. And I know a ton of stuff about Wiccan because I read a book called Satan's Little White Lie. And so I know some of the things that you will get trapped in if you come from that belief system. And it would be easy for me to go, well, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? And I could argue with this kid. But I didn't. I sat with them. And do you know what came from that conversation? This youth told me that they listened to me talk about Jesus because they know that Jesus is important to my life. And more so, they, they want to go to church on Sunday with a friend of theirs who models a gospel of peace to them. It isn't about the argument or the differences or the things that we could push each other apart from. We're wearing the armor of God. We have to wear the armor of God. But there are more weapons. Verse 16 and 17, in addition to this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We have a shield of faith that extinguishes the fiery darts of the enemy. Back in biblical times, they would soak shields so that when somebody would run up to you with a fiery object, they'd hit it and it'd go out. Does our faith diffuse the fires that come against us? Do we see what Paul sees Christ in our life as? What is more, Philippians 3.8, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. That's not about a present circumstance. That's about the eternal reality of Jesus. Is our shield of faith backed by the worth of knowing Jesus? And then, you know, as I was thinking about the helmet of salvation, I was like, man, we really need to just protect our mentals, 
right? Because our thought life can have a field day with us. That is me. That is my battle every single day. I think someone thinks a certain way about me or, or they feel a certain way or, and it can really just mess me up, right? I'm being vulnerable with you guys and that's okay. Um, but it's like, what are we feeding our minds? What are we believing? What are we thinking about? What is it that we've drilled in there as our remedy? And all I could think about was Romans 8, 38 through 39. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor principalities, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord can't separate you. Your circumstance can't separate you. The worst thing in the world could happen to you and you still have the promise of salvation secure. Tragedy could befall you like Job where he lost all of his family. Somebody could come in and steal your most prized possession. Someone could accuse you of something that you didn't do at work. And you might live in fear that Everyone's out to get you. But your salvation and what's the promise for your future, it stands no matter what happens if you believe in Jesus this morning. That is your helmet of salvation. What are we putting in our minds? What are we choosing to believe? Are we going to believe a lie? Are we going to believe the things that have come up against us that are so tempting to believe? Or are we going to stand on truth? I have to remind myself to do that. Jesus, our truth, our belt of truth, holding it together. I think a lot of times when we think of battles, and I'm almost closed here, guys, but I think when we think of battles, we think of like violence and bloodshed and war and casualties and all sorts of crazy stuff like that. But the most violent act that ever had to happen was Jesus died on the cross in our place that we would not have to. He's won the battle. And we have to put our trust in that. That is how we live in the strength and in his mighty power. When that impacts everything and changes our reality. So we need to recognize our true enemies. We need to know the weapons we have and how to use them. Those are the two things that you need to know if you're going to be a warrior this morning. So what do I want you to do? I want you to make a list of your enemies. I want you to get a notebook and I want you to write down a list of your enemies on one side, okay? Then, so these can be people, places, things, situations, circumstances. On the other side, I want you to write what the Bible says about the circumstance or what is true about the circumstance. And then I want you to free the circumstance and pray against your enemy, your true enemy, and fight for truth in your life. Questions you might ask yourself as you're going through this process is what I am experiencing or the thoughts I have true in light of who God is. Does my action or what I am saying in regards to this circumstance aim at peace or do my actions amplify unrest and burden? Is my faith bigger than the present circumstance? What will this circumstance take away from me that is of value? Nothing. Are my thoughts aimed at the bigger picture of salvation? So when you ask yourself those things and you write those things down, start to develop a pattern of thinking, this closed, 
thinking, clothed in Jesus, this full armor of God. And then second, I want you to employ your weapons. What weapons do you personally have a hard time believing or using? Make truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation your way of life. Be like Jesus. Be warriors. Warriors are not people who go out and viciously take control of cities or work on behalf of themselves. Warriors are people who see the enemy for who he is and people who see the weapons that God has provided them and stand in his strength. Put on the full armor of God, the armor that he has provided, and stand in his strength. Put on the full armor of God and be that consumed clothed and crazy about Jesus person that Dave talked about in the Belt of Truth sermon from 2019. This morning, be warriors, be different. Pray with me. Father, we thank you so much that we have security in you. God, that our battles are already won and we need to take our, our truth from that. We need to take our, our faith from that. God, that you are who you said you are and you did what you said you would do. That you, you disarmed death and separation and sin. That you disarmed those circumstances that face us already. Let us live in that reality. Help us to see your son so much greater than the things that we're going through that we could take a moment and, and live as Christ lived and act as Christ acted. Make us more and more like you that people could see it and give glory to the Father. God, we ask that you would teach us to wear the full armor of God we could take off our former selves and put on this new clothing. We ask that you be with us today. In your son's name, amen.